This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. For this episode, I am covering the next gen of collector cars that are coming to Miami Available for purchase from RM Sotheby's Miami sale. These are the Young Timer cars, which is a cool phrase that kind of references the cars from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. So this is where the market has been tremendously hot lately. And I wanted to cover these cars because they're so hot in the marketplace. I wanted to kind of give you an, an update as far as the market valuation trends on these. If you've been watching it all recently, you know there's been many records made for F40s, F50s. You know, you might have one record one night and then later that same night it's broken by another car that crosses the auction block so very interesting to see what's going on with these cars you'll see shortly i believe we're at the bubble i think we're at the peak we might be out on the downslide a little bit from these market trends so this will be a very interesting auction to see uh, how things perform Uh, if you look at the haggerty market valuations for one year versus three years majority of the time the one year change is less or not as strong as the three-year change, which tells me there's a slowdown. Now, very few examples has that flattened out to where it's actually flat versus a year ago. Once in a while, you'll find one that's negative versus a year ago. I think that will increase uh, as new reports come out in the next few months. Uh, So as we go through this podcast, I will highlight the one-year change and the three-year change, and you'll see, for the most part, uh, everything's slowing down a little bit, which is great for folks like me who would like to actually be able to afford one of these cars one day. Uh, so I do want to kick this off, uh, but we're not going to kick it off with a car. Uh, we're actually going to kick it off with an engine. Now, before I get to it, I do want to say that this get, this auction is occurring in Miami, December 10th. That's a Saturday. Uh, the preview is 12 until 5 p.m. There's cocktails, 5 until 7, and then the auction kicks off at 7 p.m. So go to rmsethabees.com to find out more information. If you need to be set up for bidding, reach out to your car specialist or shoot me a note G. Stanley at rmstuthabees.com. I would be happy to help set you up. All right. Like I said, the first car I want to talk about, it's not actually a car, but it's an engine. Uh, and you can follow me on YouTube uh, to see these pictures, which is pretty cool. Uh, so this is a Ferrari Enzo engine, estimates two hundred to $300,000, offered without reserve. And this is really cool because it is in the factory crate. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, I have a picture of the factory crate and on it, to quote a Christmas story, it says, Fragile, it must be from Italy, which it is from Italy. And what I love about the exterior of this crate is it has an image of a wine glass with Alto next to it pointing up. So you'll know which way is up to make sure that your wine does not spill, which is so perfect for Italy. So very good, very cool piece. I can't give you market trends, obviously, because it's not a full car. It's just the engine, but it's from an iconic car. All right, next, let's go to one of the cars that has really been in the, on the move within the marketplace. Now, this is a 1995 Porsche 928 GTS. If you watched uh, this podcast or followed us for Monterey, you'll know that we had a world record price on one of these. 
Uh, it was a five-speed car. I believe it was black on black. I might be wrong on that, but it sold for over $400,000, which doubled the previous record price for one of these. So what will this one do? Now, this estimate is $175,000 to $200,000 offered without reserve. Uh, I think that's a realistic estimate. Uh, it'll be really curious to see if it goes above or below or hits this estimate right in the middle. Now, the one-year change for these cars is up 24.5%. The three-year change is up 35.5%. So you have a big 10% gap between those two bullet points. Uh, let's see. Per arm, Sotheby's the most powerful 928 produced and among the most desirable of any front-engine Porsche. One of just 26 U.S. market examples equipped with a five-speed manual transmission for 1995. That's the key part. They only made 26 of these for the U.S., with a five-speed manual transmission. Now this one has less than 15,000 miles and it is black on black, which is not my cup of tea, but I know a lot of collectors go absolutely nuts for black collector cars. All right, our next one is just as menacing, even more so. It is a 1987 Mercedes-Benz 560 SEC AMG 6.0 wide body now again this one is offered without reserve uh, the one-year change on these now this is for a non-amg model they did not have the amg model uh, valuation data available because these were basically hand-built cars uh, let's see for a non-amg it was up 14.9 percent and the three-year change up 44.2 percent so there you have almost a 30 percent swing uh, down between three years and one year uh, so this is really cool. I do want to give a little bit more information on this because this is a special car. This 560 SEC 6.0 wide body is an exemplary represent representative. <laughs> let me see if I can speak here. Representative of one of AMG's wildest and most famous creations. The cost of the six liter and wide body package from AMG tacked onto the sticker price of a brand new flagship SEC coupe made this car one of the most expensive road-going marvels of the period. These prohibitively high costs assured that only the most well-heeled enthusiasts could showcase the pinnacle of the tuning firm's catalog. And I'm flipping through the pictures again on uh, YouTube, and this thing looks in absolutely immaculate condition. So again, this estimate is 225 to 275. We'll see if it hits right in mid-estimate or if these things are still rising quickly. That will be a lot of fun to watch that one. All right, next is a polarizing Porsche. I say that because I still don't like them, but I'm getting close. So this is a 1987 Porsche 911 Turbo Flat Nose Coupe. This one is two hundred dollars to $300,000 offered without reserve. One year change. Now this car is actually flat. And the three-year change is down 7.9%. So these really had uh, the run over the last three years, or five years, and they've declined over the last three years, and now they're flat. So this might be one of the few cars uh, that's bucking the trends of rest of the marketplace. All right, it is beautiful. I just never really took to the flat nose. I don't know why. I think as cars from the 80s are becoming and designs and everything from the 80s are becoming more popular. They're actually, uh, I'm favoring them a little bit more. All right, I need to give you some more information about this car because it's pretty cool. A dream, okay, this one is one of 142 US spec flat nose turbo coupes built for the 1987 model year. 
a dream car since it hit the road in 1975. Porsche's first generation of the 911 Turbo, known internally as the 930, quickly established itself as a global performance benchmark. With huge flared fenders and a whale tail rear spoiler, it looked the part as well, all while being instantly recognizable as both a Porsche and a 911. All right, let's see. Eventually, Porsche was overcome with customer requests for the 935, that's the race car, inspired flat nose treatment. Unsurprisingly, these cars were typically optioned by only the wealthiest clientele and with many additional factory upgrades. In 1987, Porsche finally added the North American flat nose package known by the option code M505 to the factory catalog and 142 coupe examples were produced in the United States that model year. Now, the other thing that was kind of cool about this, which makes me like them a little bit more, let's see where I see it here. Uh, it was actually steel front fenders made flush with the hood and fitted with retractable headlamps. So louvered steel front fenders. So this wasn't like some cheap, you know, ground effects package or, you know, fiberglass stuff added on. Uh, these were steel uh, fenders and uh, they really put a lot of work into these. So I'm warming up to them a little bit more. All right, next is one of my favorite cars that isn't a car at all. It's a sport ute. This is the 1991 Lamborghini LM002. The estimate on this one is $200,000 to $250,000, again, without reserve. The one-year change on these is up 2.9%. The three-year change is up 13.2%. 10% decline in those uh, two different bullet points. Uh, let's see, one of approximately 300 built. A quality driver's example of the legendary Rambo Lambo. I've always thought these were really attractive looking. Uh, let's see. In today's luxury and performance car market, nearly every Highline manufacturer produces a sport utility vehicle, a trend that began with the Lexus RX and the Mercedes-Benz M-Class in 1998 and has flourished with ever more extravagant offerings from Aston Martin, Bentley, and Maserati, to name a few. Now, even Ferrari. 40 years ago, however, however the market was quite different. Only one Highline automobile manufacturer dared to build a SUV, and that was Lamborghini. Uh, let's see, in 1977, Lamborghini bent, began examining the potential for a new product, a all-terrain vehicle that the manufacturer hoped would shop to the United States Army. Isn't that interesting? That's what the LM stands for, Lamborghini Military. The so-called Cheetah was large, powerful, and capable of traversing rugged off-road terrain but the rear engine design was too exotic for the American military to take much interest. Eventually, I'll skip over this a little bit, an ex-Maserati designer was assigned to revise the design, resulting in the LMA concept of 1982, which featured frontal placement of the V12 engine used in the concurrent Countach, assigned the chassis number LM002 because there was a 001 prototype. The LMA improved handling and weight distribution and the newfound rear with newfound rear cabin space. The interior was luxuriously trimmed and to accommodate six passengers. Envisioned as the transport of energy executives and sheiks to roam the desolate expanses of the Middle Eastern oil fields, the car was appropriately equipped with proprietary Pirelli Scorpion run-flat tires and a precursor today to today's GPS navigation system. Now, it's my understanding that the tires are one of the hardest things to find for these, and they're extremely 
extremely expensive. So these have really cool four bucket seats, wide console, uh, and they're just gorgeous. I think the proportions are wonderful. Um, very cool retro and very rare. Only made 300 of these or so. All right, next is something else that's pretty rare and pretty cool. Uh, let's see, we're staying in Europe, but we're headed to Germany. This is a 1986 BMW Alpina B7 Turbo Coupe Slash One. Now this is offered without reserve. Uh, the estimate is 90 to $100,000. The Haggerty change is uh, for a non-Alpina, uh, let's see, seven series from 1986 is flat and three-year change is up 7.8%. So almost an 8% gap between those two numbers. Now this is number 58 of just 110 examples produced uh, from 1984 to 1987. I think these are really cool. They have the classic Alpina wheels. This one has some really cool 80s uh, graphics on it. And if you've ever heard me talk about EAG, Enthusiast Auto Group, a uh, friend runs that place. Uh, it's here in Cincinnati, and they are some of the best experts when it comes to M cars. They'll always have a couple Alpinas around, um, and they're just really cool. They're really neat. All right, let's learn a little bit more about this car. The B7 Turbo Coupe launched in 1978 was Alpina's first full conversion for BMW's 6 Series platform. It featured a more powerful turbocharged variant of BMW's 3-liter 6-cylinder engine sourced from the contemporaneous 630 CSI. Additional improvements included upgraded suspension, ventilated brakes, and a body kit with signature Alpina multi-spoke wheels. Alpina has steadfastly continued this fine tradition of engineering all-encompassing modifications to each successful successive generation of BMW model. Nonetheless, the B7 Turbo has been and continues to be the company's most famous and highly desired model. So very cool, very 80s. It even has the huge phone hanging off of the console. Uh, looks like it's a manual car, which is pretty cool. It has a little cassette uh, tape holder in the console as well. Very cool and very 80s. All right, next, we're moving into the 2000s. Now, this is a 2002 Lotus Esprit V8 25th Anniversary Edition. I love these cars when these came out, especially when they switched to the V8 engine. I just thought they were beautiful. So this is a gorgeous yellow one. Let's see, estimate on this one is sixty dollars to $80,000, offered without reserve. The one-year change is up 18.8%. Now, here's a big gap. The three-year change is up 57.1%. So you're talking about a 40% swing between the one-year trend and the three-year trend. Let's see, number 55 of 125th anniversary editions produced for the U.S. market has a 300, 350 horsepower, 3.5 liter twin turbocharged Lotus 918 V8 engine, five-speed manual transmission. So you have the iconic wedge shape you have twin turbocharged V8 engine with a five-speed analog manual. What more do you want? And it's finished in striking solar yellow over black interior. Now, this is uh, one of the pop-up headlight cars that I mentioned in uh, last week's episode. Uh, let's see. Lotus revealed a limited 25th anniversary edition model for the 2002 model year. Just 100 of these special cars were slated for sale in the United States market with a further 58 sold elsewhere in the world. Among the final Esprits constructed, these 25th anniversary edition cars received all of the model's many refinements. Some really beautiful pictures 
that they have uh, posted online for this particular car. Not quite sure, sure where they shot it, but uh, some wonderful pictures. All right, next is a car that you've heard me talk about a lot. And this is one of the cars I referenced earlier that keeps breaking records. So this one will be very interesting. This is kind of the headlining car for this sale. The 1990 Ferrari F40. I won't go too deep into this because I know I've covered, covered them a lot lately. Uh, the estimate on this one is three to $3.5 million. I mean, just listen to that. Isn't that crazy? Three to $3.5 million. Two years ago, it would have been 1.2 to $1.6 million. Now, this one was originally owned by Microsoft co-founder uh, and sports franchise owner Paul Allen. Pretty cool. Now, it just has 2,736 miles. So that's why this is calling for a big time number. It has less than 3,000 miles on the car. The fabric seats up front look absolutely perfect. Uh, I think this is just a gorgeous car, as long as you don't put the headlights up. Uh, just absolutely stunning, beautiful car. Uh, that will be very telling where the market is to see what number that brings. So watch, see if it's a no sale, see if it's a sale, and if it's a sale, what was the hammer price? All right, next on our list, we have another sport here. This is pretty exciting. This is a 2006 Hummer H1 Alpha. Now, the estimate on this one is 125 to 175 again without reserve. The one-year change is up 25.9%. The three-year change is up 106.3%. So you're talking a big change there, about 80%. Now, this is the ultimate iteration of the iconic Hummer H1, one of just 729 built, finished in yellow over black and tan leather with a black soft top. Now, in period, I had a friend... Now, this would have been late 90s, and she had a friend that was a professional tennis player, and he had a yellow Hummer, and he painted Tonka on the back, <laughs> which is pretty cool to see that thing running around. All right, so this is powered by a 6.6-liter Duramax V8 diesel engine. Actually, the interior looks really, really nice, which is surprising on one of these. Okay, after customers complained of the diesel engine Hummer H1 being underpowered relative to its gasoline counterpart, General Motors began development on what would become the ultimate Hummer, the H1 Alpha. The biggest change came from shoehorning a 6.6-liter Duramax turbo diesel sourced from the medium-duty truck under the hood. Extensive modifications were made to ensure it fit into the Hummer chassis, including 23 engine component changes and a two inch lift to accommodate the turbo diesel's taller dimensions. So this thing looks really, really great. I can't imagine what it's like to drive one of these around, but I believe this would be the one to have. All right, next we're going to another iconic supercar here, the 2005 Porsche Carrera GT. This is another kind of bellwether young timers car to see how the market trend is doing. These have been appreciating quite a bit lately, and it seems like they have slowed down a little bit recently with the recent sales. So the estimate on this one is 1.55 million to 1.75 million. The one-year change is up 26.7%. The three-year change is up 92.3. So there's a 75, 65% swing in the one year between the one-year and the three-year market trends. Now, this one is exceptionally maintained with just 2,000 miles from new at the time of cataloging. So this one really hasn't been driven. It's a beautiful silver with tan interior, 
I know that's not the correct color uh, name, but it is silver. It is beautiful. So that will be a, a great one to see uh, if it falls within the estimate range or not. All right, next is one that's been under the radar for quite a while, but it's really gaining momentum here. And this is one I'm not as familiar with. It's a 1990 Mercedes-Benz 190E 2.5 16 Evolution 2. That's a lot of words. All right, the estimate on this one is 225 to 275, offered without reserve. One year change. Now, this is for the base 190, so take this with a grain of salt, up 65.3%. The three-year change is up 125.3%, so 60% swing, but still up really, really strong. So this is a DTM homologation special, the ultimate evolution of the W201 chassis. This is number 229 of 502 produced. I'm surprised actually they made that many. Now this one is powered by a 238 horsepower, 2.5 liter, 16 valve, inline four cylinder engine by Cosworth uh, with a five speed manual transmission. Per RM Sotheby's of the cars homologated for the German Touring Car Championship, DTM, in the late 1980s, BMW's M3 is widely regarded as among the finest ever produced by the company's revered M division. However, BMW's fiercest competitor also produced incredible homologation specials of its own. That car is the Mercedes-Benz 190E 2.3 16 Cosworth. There you have it. That is why this car is projected to be a quarter of a million dollars. All right, this is uh, this next car here is one that if you go to YouTube and check out the Hillsboro Concorde Elegance, you'll see that I had this car as one of my keep cash or collect choices. Uh, it's very, you, you can't forget this car once you see it because it's like a crazy emerald green with an emerald green interior. And this is a 1990, 1988 Porsche 959 SE reimagined by Bruce Canepa. Now, the estimate on this one is 3 to $3.5 million. Now, for a regular 959 non-Canepa modified, the one-year change is up 22.6%. The three-year change is up 46.2%. So you've got a 24% change between those two years. Let's see. This is a comprehensive and significant upgrade upon Porsche's 959 supercar. The third example tailor-made by the legendary Porsche specialist Can Canepa Motorsports. Finished in paint to sample emerald green over dark green leather. I don't know that I'm crazy about the dark green leather on the inside. It is very eye-catching. I will have to say that. Now it's powered by re-engineered 825 horsepower, 2.85 liter twin turbo flat six-cylinder engine. Now I'll read a little more details about this because this is a very, very special car. This is going, this is a deep dive here, so please hang with me. Bruce Canepa is undoubtedly among the world's most legendary Porsche specialists. His company's familiarity with the 959 is unmatched within North America, and he was personally fortunate to be one of those lucky enough to have experienced a Porsche, Porsche 959 in 1987. Hearing his expertise, Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen purchased a 959 from Canepa in 1987. Shortly afterwards, having experienced Allen's car, Bill Gates acquired one via Canepa as well. The 959 was not originally available for the U.S. market, but Canepa was famously instrumental in passing in the passing of the show or display exemption rule, the federal legislation that allowed these highly sought-after vehicles to be driven in the U.S. for the first time in 1999. 
The first challenge was to meet federal and state emission standards, ultimately creating a 580-horsepower emissions legal engine with Canapa's Gen 1 upgrade. Continued driving experiences with the model over the next 20 years led Bruce to evaluate and determine every aspect of the 959 design that could be improved. These observations were turned into two decades of continuous research and development, thousands of real-world miles driven, and many stages of refining product prototypes. Canapa resu Canapa's resulting unveiled series of performance upgrades for fitment to any standard Porsche 959. Another two generations of successful upgrades were surpassed with debut with the debut of Canapa's 959 SC program in 2015, which endeavored to entirely recommission and re-engineer the model to outperform anything that could have been offered by the Porsche factory. Whereas the original 959 left a factory with 444 horsepower from its 2.85 liter sequential turbo flat six, the 959 SC reimagined by Canapa uses upgraded turbos and parallel twin turbo system and new engine management based around Motec hardware to nearly double that figure to 825 horsepower, horsepower and 600 pound-feet of torque. That's really insane. Let's see, 4,000 plus hours are put into each build, and over 3,000 individual pieces are restored, rebuilt, or upgraded. Nothing is left unchecked or untouched on every 959 that Canapa reimagines. They are completely disassembled, entirely rebuilt as better-than-new machines. Color combinations and final touches are tailor-made to each client's specifications in close collaboration with Bruce Canapa. Those lucky enough to garner a 959 SE order slot can choose from over 200 Porsche and paint-to-sample colors. Each example is one of one, with production set at just 50 examples in total. But the Porsche 959 SE reimagined by Canapa is, thanks to many years of product development and 4,000 hours of recommissioning, even better than the original. Now, there's no arguing, arguing with that. Uh, what's interesting is Bruce is buying up 959s for this program, which has driven up the average price of 959s. You know, he probably could have gotten one, you know, that needed a lot of work for 600 grand a couple years ago. Well, now that price is probably up to a million dollars. And I did talk to Bruce in Hillsboro about this car, in front of this car, and I asked him what the original color of this car was. And I'm sure he was joking with me because he was like, you know, I really don't know, which I'm sure he does. He just probably didn't want to tell me. <laughs> All right, the next one is a very interesting car because I've never seen one of these come up for auction. It is a 2011 Ford Fiesta, but wait for it. It's the Gymkhana 3 from from Ken Block. Now, this is the one that has the crazy monster hooligan, uh, you know, um, wrap package on it. Just so iconic. So this one, the estimate is three dollars to $350,000. The rally prepared star of Gymkhana 3, the viral inter internet sensation with 69 million views. Now, this is powered by a crazy turbocharged four-cylinder engine with 600 horsepower and 660 pound-feet of torque. The first Ford product to be featured in the Gymkhana film series. So this is truly uh, incredible automobile. I mean, an incredible automobile here that should be in a museum or, you know, taken out a lot so people can see it. I can't imagine what this thing sounds like. 
All right. With the release of Ken Block Gymkhana practice in 2008, the motorsport discipline of Gymkhana reached near universal recognition. Like autocross, the Gymkhana competition involves a point-to-point course filled with a variety of obstacles for a driver to navigate with a further requirement of displaying advanced driving skills like spins, drifts, and figure eights. Ken Block, the hooligan in chief, took this concept to the next level with the release of the first viral video displaying his professional rally skills in an abandoned airfield. The escalating difficulty of the stunts and courses throughout the series, venues for which include the Port of Los Angeles, downtown San Francisco, and Dubai, kept the motoring enthusiast public glued to their computer screens in anticipation of the latest release. So this is a really hard one, I would imagine, to come up with an estimate for. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, where this one hammers. That will be very cool. All right, we're going to go back to Germany here. We have just two more coming up. Uh, Back to Germany here for an interesting BMW. This is the 1980 BMW M1 AHG Study. Study, not sure. So for a base M1, the one-year change is up 5.3%. The three-year change up 12.2%. This estimate on this car is $440,000 to $550,000. Believed to be one of no more than 10 BMW M1 road cars modified in period by German dealership AHG. If you're looking, uh, if you're listening and not looking online, it's uh, your traditional M1, but it's got a really cool red, white, and blue and light blue uh, stripe kit on it. Custom features include one-off tricolor livery, pro car-inspired bodywork, three-piece BBS wheels, and full leather seats. All right, previously part of the renowned AE collection of Paul Walker, so that could add some interest to this car in a really big, big way. All right, so for our last car for this episode, we're going to stay in Germany because I thought this was such a beautiful car. This is a very rare, very special 1994 Porsche Turbo S. Now, the estimate on this car is $1.1 to $1.3 million uh, offered without reserve. The one-year change is up 20%. Interestingly enough, the three-year change is up 17%. So this is the only example where the one-year change is actually up more than the three-year change. All right, among the the rarest Porsches ever built, documented ownership history from new with less than 23,000 miles indicated at the time of cataloging. I love the wheels on this car. I love everything about this car. Won a 93 Porsche 911 Turbo 3.6 S models produced, one of just 17 Turbo S packaged cars with traditional Porsche headlamps, and one of only two packaged cars delivered new to Canada. Finished in striking triple black color scheme. All right, a little more details about this one. When announced in February of 1993, the 911 Turbo 3.6 was to be the highest performance regular production offering Porsche had ever produced for sale in North America. This new single turbo rear drive, wide body 964 chassis 911 produced a shocking 355 horsepower. Now don't laugh, that was a lot back then. Porsche achieved these eye-watering numbers by turbocharging its new M64 3.6-liter engine and swapping out the previous 3.3-liter power plant. As the 964 chassis generation drew to a close, Porsche decided to release an even more powerful variant, the Turbo S. Designed with even higher performance than the standard 911 Turbo, Porsche estimated it would build fewer than 100 of these Turbo S models. 
These exceptionally rare North American delivered 911 Turbo S X85 coupes were built without the flat nose option and are immediately recognizable by their traditional headlamp design. Like as flat nose brethren, the package cars featured asymmetric Porsche 959 style air intakes on both rear quarter panels, a special front air splitter, a louvered rear wing that enclosed the intercooler, quadruple exhaust tips, an 18-inch speed line for Porsche modular light alloy wheels. Those are those wheels. 8 inches wide in front and 10 inches at the rear, shod with high-performance tires. So absolutely beautiful, absolutely stunning car. Triple black. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of black, but I would take this car. So very interesting to see how this will perform. It will sell because it is a no-reserve car, and uh, I think it will go big. So as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, please share with your friends, and I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.